Folks, hello. Welcome to the uh, Talking Crit TuttleCon Special Edition with special guest Christopher Clark of Inner City Games. Uh, we're going to be here uh, tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night. Mike and I were here yesterday. Uh, we're going to try to bring you the, uh, the best of virtual conning for virtual TuttleCon. Well, I, think virtual, I think virtual counting means something else, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid to even ask what it could mean besides what we just thought it maybe meant. Because now I feel dirty. Page 54 of the rules has the listing for con artists. If you read that, oh, it's not available yet. Never mind. It's still a Kickstarter. So, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Is that like uh, based on Ken Whitman, allegedly? Uh, He's a specialty car. Oh no, I, I don't. Want to say, I don't want to break bad on poor Ken. Uh, no, would I do business with him again? Not, not today. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Want to not today. Not tomorrow. Ken is a nice guy whose pool has no shallow end. Period. <laughs> Whenever he jumps in, he's over his head. It's that simple. You think after a while you've learned not to jump in? I, some people don't learn very quickly. It's you know. Well, Ken self-diagnosed himself with, uh, what is it, concussion CTS, concussion trauma syndrome, which can only be diagnosed after death via an autopsy. So I was, I was always excited when he, uh, when he said that he, he, he was diagnosed with that. Yeah, I suddenly have a desire to not see his kitchen. I don't know. I just, you know yeah. Help me, Spock. Help me, Spock. <laughs> oh, God. So, um we're going to be we'll be talking about your your Kickstarter in a little bit, but I, I have a question because I did read up on the Kickstarter and read how you got into designing uh, inner inner city back in the day. But how did you get into gaming in the first place? For our, I was I was introduced to a game called um, what was it Alpha Omega, which was a simple board game in 1974 by my friend Charles R. Lewis in high school when I was a freshman. Now that's an unusual story too, but I'll keep it as brief as possible. I lived in, I, I was an old country boy. I lived on a, on a farm at, out in Northern Illinois. Went to school with kids that I knew for eight years, first through eighth grade. And then the, the school dividing line changed for high school. And I, the kids across the street all went to one high school and I went to a different one. So I didn't know anybody. So I was the new kid in the high school, and this guy came up and goes, hey, you want to play this board game? It's kind of cool. And I got into tabletop gaming that way. About three weeks later, he got this cool new mail order thing called Dungeons & Dragons, and we started playing Ooh. it right away. Yeah. That was my introduction to Dungeons & Dragons. Nice. Pretty, um, pretty early. Yeah, well, we went to Gen Con 2 because we were so into the game. Um, at uh, I want to say that one was at the... Um, I want to say it was at the VFW Hall. We went to one of them at the VFW Hall. And then we actually showed up to run events at the first one at Parkside. Really? In my, in my filing cabinet of old stuff you really should have thrown away years ago, um, there is a circular from Gen Con 6 at Parkside. Uh, we ran 72 events, our group of like eight GMs. But we did it back then. This will really, really set you back a minute. In those days, TSR would charge $2 a ticket to play in an event, okay? Right. If you ran events for them, $1 went to you and $1 went to TSR. Oh, so we would nice. run 
400 people through events and then take the rest of the con off having basically attended the con for free because we made all our money running events. Nice. Yeah. That's a racket, man. It, it, it was kind of a racket. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so actually, yeah, the, the Kickstarter game got run as tournaments back in, gosh, 1978-9 in that era because we could run more people through it and therefore we'd make more money. Oh, Angelia popped in to say hello. Oh, she's in Skeeter's stupid small print seminar. No, he's done that like fifteen times. Angelia, just blow him off. <laughs> I, I thought you said something else. No, no. That he and Zach pull that. They pull that that small press seminar out like a like it's an old violin. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just giving it a hard time. But speaking of those two clowns, we're going to be on their show Monday, so I guess we right. Should, so we can't. We can't. We can't yeah, we shouldn't guys. piss them off too much. So we'll, we'll try to make them too angry. Right. We we got to abuse them. We'll have to abuse them on 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 Monday when we show up. Well, but, uh, and and unfortunately now with uh, with uh, Gold Rush Games and and um, Flying Buffalo really not being around much anymore, I might actually be the oldest small press company still in existence. Really, I, you know, I was actually shocked. Well, I wasn't really shocked. I mean, I knew you've been around a while, Chris, but I mean, I, I didn't know how long Inner City Games. I thought Inner City Games popped up about nineteen, you know, eighty two, eighty three or so. I, I didn't know you were um, you were even older. You've been around even longer than that. You, you mentioned Fuzzy Heroes earlier. I can't remember if we were on yet or not, but mentioned Fuzzy Heroes no, earlier. Before we were on, yep. You premiered at a, at a con called Twin Con, which is held up in Minneapolis, um, as Puppy Pounders. That was back in 1988, and Puppy Pounders was my 14th game published, I want to say. Wow. But it cost a lot of money to publish games back then. We did something called the generic game in the mid-80s. I can't even remember when. Sometime in the mid-80s, but big box game, and instead of saying life on it, it had a black and green stripe that said game. And we actually got <laughs> I'd like to trademark a game, please. There were, there were generic aisles back then. Where everything in the aisle was generic. And people I, shop I, generic. I, rem I remember. <laughs> it was generic mac and cheese was horrible. Uh -huh. Flour sugar game, you know, and, and it actually sold as a result of that little marketing concept. But wow. Trust me, what, for the first thousand, we did not want to reprint. We let it go. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about that off uh, off camera about the the print runs because I I was really. One of the things interesting was reading on your on your Kickstarter for Inner City Games. Um, you you go really fascinating history of just the whole Inner City Games history, but you talk about how many you had to print back then, which is just kind of it blows my mind because you think about some of the small print <laughs> runs that some of the independent people are able to put out now, so they can well, print do, on demand. Yeah, they can do stuff affordable, or they can you know just print. Yeah, you know, let them do a Kickstarter, and they only sell you know. 600 copies they only have to print out 600 copies right. um y'all unfortunately were under uh, different circumstances weren't you i still have in old fuzzy hero stock in my basement warehouse and it's a nice dry basement so don't worry but uh the basement warehouse has approximately forty-eight thousand dollars worth of old fuzzy hero stock in it now it's not just fuzzy heroes we actually wrote six or seven books for that series but uh yeah I, it was funny when it i, I want to say it was 1990 rolled around and I looked in my basement, I saw $80,000 sitting on shelves. And anybody who knows business knows that's the worst place to have your money invested is in inventory. Okay. Yeah. I, and I thought there's gotta be a better way. And we actually went out and purchased 
binders, printers, all of this kind of stuff. Now, the neat thing was it was just the start of the digital age. And they took uh, school um, duplicators, like they would run your tests off and we'd all snip them. You remember? Oh, yeah. The uh, purple ink. Put Ooh, computer yes. controls on them and actually made them to the point where they didn't have this blobby print. It was a nice, precise print. And you could run about a penny a page off a duplicator. So I still have our original office duplicator. Still works. It's run like 12 million copies. Wow. But I think the only yeah. book we still make with it is uh, Plastic Ships and Fuzzy Men. And we make about 100 of those a year, and that's about it. So if you need a duplicator, let me know. <laughs> If you wanted yeah. to duplicate or duplicate, or exactly how would that work? Just if you wanted to duplicate, <laughs> duplicate or duplicate. The, the whole difference between, for instance, a printer and a duplicator is the printer, of course, takes your file digitally and right and sprays it on there. Okay, a duplicator actually shoots a plate, just like the newspapers do when they're going to run the press. Really? Okay. But the duplicator plates are are very cheap and very disposable. They're only good for about ten thousand copies, and then they degenerate. But if you're small press and you run 10,000 copies, you're probably, you know, doing Deadlands or something. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, you'll make your money back. Yeah. So, so you got a, you've got a Kickstarter out now, Inner City Redo. Um, and this is based on the very first RPG you published, correct? And it, 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 I read it and I was like, yeah, I got to get this. Because I one thing I love is 70s cop shows. That, that's a, I mean, I, I and when I was a kid, man, I used to get in trouble for watching stuff like Mannix. And yep. canon because uh, people don't realize how violent those shows were. If you, oh, yeah. you if you catch them on you know one of the old you know TV channels, man, they're violent. They're so and so I loved. It was a kid. I you know yeah, I'm watching all that stuff. Uh, you know, Starsky and Hutch, all, all the classic oh, yeah. ones there. Well, and yeah, uh, I think I think Mannix was my favorite. I, I like Columbo a lot, but Mannix was my favorite because Mannix he he just was he just kicked ass, man. Mike Connors, <laughs> Mike Connors was busting heads all over the place. But, Beretta, uh, Beretta just screamed the seventies. <laughs> I don't think it took place in New York, but I always wanted to imagine it did. Because I could see those characters walking the streets of the South. Well, it, and it's funny that you the way you brought it up, Mike. Um, <laughs> You play a criminal. Normally, you play a criminal. You can play good guys too. And in fact, uh, in about a week and a half, at, on on one of the other virtual cons, we're going to do a let's play good guys because everybody wanted to see what it was like. Okay, uh -huh. be that as it may, there's only four things in the city that are illegal. There's only four crimes you can commit: murder, uh, arson, theft, and sexual misconduct of any kind. Because Mister No means no. Okay. <laughs> But it's funny because if you just beat somebody up and take their and take their money, you're guilty of theft, but you're not guilty of assault. <laughs> now, why is that? Well, because if you watch Mannix, Mannix was always beating the heck out of his Hell yeah, they all, oh yeah. And yep. he never got arrested for it. Starsky and Hutch would walk into a bar and a huge bar fight would be going on, and they'd get the bar fight broken up. They'd say, "All right, we're not going to run you in." Okay, nobody ever got arrested for assault. No, it was only, it was only the big three. It was only and the big three. Die. That was it's it. Not illegal. I mean, you know. <laughs> so, so this is kind of a, a parody, but a but a loving parody of yeah. the seventies. What made what made those seventies uh, cops and robbers shows great? And of course, yeah, I love the bad guys too. Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, you, you look at you know some of the bad guy movies and shows well, of the the sixties. We, we do have Co Jerk in there and Husky and Star. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, filthy Harry, because you know Dirty Harry was dirty, but this guy's filthy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get, you know, you get the old Johnny Dangerously Magnum that shoots through schools. Um, you know, I, and it, it is, it's absolutely hilarious because you think nothing of the fact that your 
killing people because that just happened continuously in those old cop shows. And it, nobody ever really shed a tear unless it was the hero that got shot, you know. Right. Manix probably ridiculous. killed two bad guys an episode, and we're talking of over a period of two or three years. And I don't think Manix ever went before board saying, "Look, oh, no, you're, right. you're a private detective, man. You can't be shooting guys on the street like that." He never had an issue, nope. which nope. is you know. So you let you. So I guess your game has that kind of uh, zeitgeist. Say, hey, you know, this it's, thing just happens. I mean, people just get shot. It's, so it's the old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, I killed a lot of people, but they were all bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so the game, so the, the um, so it's coming out. It looks like, and Eric and I are both in. We we, we saw it the other day. We both uh both in for oh, 20, yeah. 20 bucks on that one. And so, um, but it looks it looks fun. And and so you, this is the kind of I guess the deluxe version because you had the inner city rules and you had three kind of add-on rule yes, books. Well, it was popular enough that we did these three little uh, uh, add-on rule books that uh, I don't know. It's, it's I don't want to take credit for it. If you put them all together, they form one picture. Okay. And I don't take credit for that. I borrowed that from Rich Strachulka from TriTech Games Okay, with his FTL series. Um, but the idea was that then when we sold them in retail, you'd get cover out display uh, rather than spine out display which everybody would just go on by and not see um but yeah i wanted to try and make it so that everything was in one place and you didn't have to flip between pages all over the place because nothing annoys me worse than i, I for instance i enjoy playing role master have you ever played role master it's uh, yes the entry fantasy. charts are great. If, if you sit there, you Grounds. have an extra hour to, to roll well, yeah, and have your character. Played, played on Fantasy Grounds 2 and had the integrated you know, charts into the, your, your interface. It's great, but otherwise, uh, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a long, long slog of a system. It's a bit right. of a task. Yeah. 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 I wanted to try and it out. I, I'm better at writing games than I was in 1978. I am. Uh, that 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 it's not a really high bar, so don't get too excited. You know. <laughs> well, so so th uh, this so it looks like this game is it's, it's pretty close to funding here. I'm about 140 bucks away from funding, but yeah, it, it, I'm really excited about. It. I love. Uh, there was a game that came out of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go Norley's, ahead. Eric. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the Norley's Angels picture that's right on the oh, screen right now. <laughs> and I swear to God, if that doesn't make you want to buy this game, those, those nothing grand, will. Those grannies are in the game, as well as oh, the God. B Squad, which I, I don't think you do have a picture of. The B Squad are the guys who show up in the van and take 100,000 <laughs> shots at the enemies, but no one ever gets hit. <laughs> so the A-team, uh, you got an A-team parody of that. Uh, A-team, of course, oh, okay. would, be, would be something B -squad. less than a parody. That would be infringement. So, no, it's the B-Squad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's with Mr. Z. Yeah, the A-team yeah, was great, too, because uh, you're right, because they had automatic weapons, yet nobody ever got really got oh, yeah. hurt. The, the cars would roll four or five and times, and everybody's like, crawls out, and they're like, oh, man. Okay, I surrendered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody got hit with shrapnel? Come on. Nobody got, got a bullet anywhere? Uh, yeah, that's so that that's I'm excited. I, I love uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Spirit of 76, which is a fun little role-playing game that came out a few years ago, and it was uh, based on... I guess I don't know, kind of the black exploitation uh, movies of the time, plus a lot of the '70s type stuff. That that was a fun game too. So I'm I'm going to put this alongside of that and have a you know I'm going to have a '70s game night where we're going <laughs> to. I don't know gonna, if you noticed, Eric, when you when you saw the bar picture. 
the, the, uh, the big big advertisement in the bar is drink booze. So it's it's not a it's not a terribly serious game. By the same I, token, people often go through more than one character on their first outing. Sometimes more than five characters on their first outing. <laughs> uh, oh, we have a, a rule. It is, it is an eye well, chart. That's things good. happen. Yeah. yeah, things happen. You know. Well, you're, 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 we have a rule in there that if you die with your initial character, uh, a a uh, uh, unknown brother shows up. Unknown, you know, your evil twin shows up. <laughs> as long as you, as as the rest of the party does not take the turn in between to loot your body, because yes, those people that you thought you were running the streets with actually aren't your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll lose your body if it means making a lot of it. So, oh, well. Yeah. That happens, too. That happens. Yeah. Uh, dude, I, actually, actually, I think I am in for... I'm in for 24, because I wanted the complete starter set. Oh, there you well, go. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm I'm in for I'm always in for at least twenty on a fun game like that because I, I, I what can I say? I love the seventies. I'm a, I'm a I was a kid in the seventies. Well, we're about the same age, uh, Chris. I think you're a year older than me. I just turned fifty eight, so we're. Oh, well, right, I'm so, younger than you. I don't so, turn fifty eight. Whoa, hold on. I'm actually uh, wow. I'm actually uh, older than some. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, oh okay. <laughs> 1962. Wow. So, but yeah. So uh, I. Uh, I, in the '70s is my my jam. Anything in the '70s, I'm I'm up for. So yeah, that, that's I was I was excited when I when I read that. I I didn't really. I don't think I ever. Now you have like you have what twenty or thirty mini games because I know when you come to North Texas, 20, you, you have a gigantic display of all these games. And so I, I always look at that. and I think one thing I always think. So how do you get all these ideas for games? Because most people just maybe have one or two games in them, and that's it, you know, and that's it. They do it, but you've got a lot of ideas. If you're a game designer, it's it's what you do. I, you know, that's like you know, how do you keep fixing cars, Mister Auto Mechanic? It, it's it's what they do. Um, I, you know, I, it's funny. Uh, best storyteller I ever knew was was Gary. Best writer I ever knew, I think, was Frank. But uh, there are so many people who have. A little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. I mean, I have so many favorites in the industry, and all of them are like that. Uh, Jeff Tolanian and uh, Zeb and, you know, all of those guys just constantly come up with the stuff. And you'd laugh. I have five things on my to-do list right now that are backed up. Wow. I have them organized wow. so that one true on the other, but, yeah. I've got I've got literally two ideas I want to do so one day. I got two. I got two. Seriously, I got two things I want to do. That's it. I don't have any more ideas. I can't think of anything else. That's it. That's it. So once I'll get my two ideas out there someday. It's just amazing. You have so many games out there. During, just, uh, I'm actually finishing up the Gary Khan uh, tournament module, which, by the way, they'll be fighting Nazis this time because they wanted to. So hey, I why said, not? Okay. Nazis are always good to beat up. So yeah, beat up Nazis fault. is great. Yeah. We're finishing that one up while we're doing the quicker because otherwise life is boring or something. Right. Or I thought Nazis were uh, trademarked by TSR. Do you get permission from the coast to? Uh, oh, I love that to, story. Uh, Nazis. What a great story. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Not well, that was a great. That was a kind of a false story that circulated in the in the nineties, I think, based on the eighties. Because uh, what was the real story about that, Gary? Uh, 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 Eric, they they tr they tried to trademark Nazis because it was part of the Indiana Jones game, and so they sent in a trademark for Nazis, <laughs> and then and so they always got they got the rap that man these guys are so mercenary they even tried to trademark the name Nazis. So that was kind of a yeah. Uh, actually, Luke and and uh, Turbo, who I think you both know, okay, uh, 
came to me and they said, you know what? Everybody like, loves killing Nazis. Let's get out of the desert with this one and let's kill some Nazis. That's, like, okay. That's a no-brainer. You can't go wrong, yeah. You can't go wrong on that one. And unlike orcs, not, that's, Nazis can be evil, too. They, <laughs> they're not misunderstood at all. You just kill them. There's, there's no misunderstanding. Exactly. Like, wait, wait, are you an orc with feelings or are you one of the old school? <laughs> Before I kill you, I need to know what's going on here. Are you an orc? Yes, I am. My name is Woke. Oh boy, we won't get we won't get that tonight. We 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 love we love we love what we love Wizards of the Coast because every every other week they do something really really dumb, and Eric and I get to talk about it on our show. So so we, we God bless them for for keeping up for keeping up just right. doing something weird and, and every, we get to, every couple weeks. And, and we get to talk about Wizards of the Coast even when one of their people is watching us live. Which is kind of like, oh, oh shit! Yeah, we get, uh, yeah, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Gould's in here sometimes. We like give him a hard time too. So one of them is watching his life. I don't know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. We might want to work for Watsy someday. I don't know what these guys are talking about. I have no clue. No clue. No clue. <laughs> well, um, so so we, so I I um I don't think I met you, Chris, until you actually came to North Texas. I I I knew you from online, but I don't think I met you for, uh, until you actually came. And uh, one of the reasons you came, well, um, so there was a company named Eldritch Eldritch Int that was around for a few years. It was uh, uh, you, Tim, Jim, and Frank. Yep. And so Frank was the, actually Harold originally too, but Harold. Didn't really That's, ever do anything, so he kind of dropped out. So they, 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 the first year, everybody wrote something, and they came to the con. They didn't bring any material. <laughs> they didn't bring anything to sell, and so we're like, okay, do y'all have any Eldritch stuff? Like, no. So the next year, we got Chris to come, so Chris could actually bring right. stuff from Eldritch to sell. They, they were not okay. I'm, with all, with all due respect for Jim. And Frank and Tim, none of one of the three of them were going to pack up stuff and send it to the show. True, that is or true. The luggage. They were like, "No, we don't do that. We're we're the talents here." You know. <laughs> and, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you got talent, but you also need the guy that's going to haul the boxes. You can't just have the talent. Well, so and then, then, of course, Douglas was was shocked because he's like, "You're driving down?" I I said, "Yeah." Well, why? Oh, because I'm going to bring the company. No, I, the company only has like eight things out now, Chris. I, yeah, but I have another company. <laughs> so he was he had the same. As, how do you run two companies at once? And well, Frank's running Eldridge. It's okay. You know, yeah. Well, so. well, wait, the the drive now the, the, that is that's another thing about you too, Chris, is that you you make the drive every year with your uh, wife and sometimes your daughter, and. Um, I, I, I've made the drive uh, many times. Zach and I have made the drive. Now we we do a two day affair. We'll yeah, we we'll stop at Kansas City uh, the first night, either there or back, and then we, we that's kind of the middle point for us. But you know, I, I don't think it's a bad drive at all. And people have just like you drive here. That's crazy, but it's not too bad now at all. As you break it up to two days, it, it's actually quite a pleasant drive. Well, uh, and you're coming up in in uh, Doug's hotel on wheels, right? <laughs> No, well, no, we no, because Zach and I, well, Zach and I, we usually rent. No, yeah, that's right, because Doug has this gigantic. Is that an Explorer? What? I mean, it's like it's like you don't even feel like you're driving. You just sit there and you just let all the stage on. We're all outside. You're just doing this. You're driving with one finger. Yeah. Wait a second. 
<laughs> yeah, they're coming. No, we, Zach and I usually rent a pretty. We rent a pretty nice car when we we go up there and to Gary Connor or Gamehole Con. So, uh, uh, but it's pretty. We, we get something pretty nice. We usually try to get heated seats because that's you know the one luxury we allow ourselves is because it's so freaking cold up there. But it's it's really is a beautiful drive, and I, I'm surprised where people don't make the drive. Uh, I mean, I know when you, you're older, sometimes it's tougher to drive. But you, you're now you're you're pretty much a gearhead though, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. you, you like driving you like cars um i, I love driving too I'm, I'm i but i'm not a gearhead i have always just drove a car that ran even when i was a kid i, I just never got into it so i'm always fascinated by someone that's just really into cars now where did you start getting interested in cars 1977 when i was first able to drive my my pontiac le mans blew a power steering house and i had the garage fix it and it was 80 bucks and I went and I was like 80 bucks because that was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. And I walked into a price store and found out the part cost $19. So now I'm getting a little upset, right? And all of a sudden, my power steering starts making noise again. And I have no idea what the noise is, but I get in there and look. And cars that old, you can intuitively figure out how they worked, okay? At least from my perspective. And the guy didn't, uh, you have to bleed the line when you put it in. Didn't bleed the line. He just hooked it up and said, here, you're fixed. And I thought to myself, you know, I could have done this wrong three times and still save money <laughs> with the fourth time having been the right way. <laughs> and I started doing car work and I just started fixing my own car. So, so what do you own now? I know, I know you, uh, you have, you have a few, right? Well, you remember the old white van that always used to come down in North uh -huh. Texas? Yeah, it's still in my driveway because um, they made a lot of changes between one engine and the other and I'm putting a new engine in it, but it's still not rusty. So, you know. Um, I have two mid sixties Barracudas in my drive in oh, my garage. Barracuda is such a sweet. Oh, and I'm gonna. Yeah, I have car. to. They're completely empty. There's no drivetrain of any kind in them, so it's it's bottom up. But wow. on the bright side, I can update them because I like things like front disc brakes. Mid sixties Barracuda <laughs> has four wheel drums, which are yeah. horrible. No, it's gonna have a slightly more modern front end that I'll take out of a Dart or an Aspen or something and just slide it in there. But you gotta you gotta know a little bit more about what you're doing. But yeah, it's it's not as difficult as it sounds. Now, now was a Barracuda muscle car? Or that was that considered a muscle car back in the day or not? I can't. It remember. was originally in the in the mid '60s. The Barracuda was produced. It looks like a um, a Valiant, actually, and it was produced to be competition for the Mustang. In which it really wasn't, by the way. The Mustangs no. were, were better. They weren't better yeah. built, but they were hotter cars. Anyway, um, they were cheap. I got them for a thousand bucks for a pair of them. So nice. Right, so that's and kind of that's your project then is get those babies running and well, uh what I want to what I want to bring down to Texas, I want to try and shoehorn. I've got my old drag race motor in my garage on a stand, it has been there for 10 years. It's a 7.6 liter. And I want to see if I can shoehorn that into that cute little barracuda. Should become a death box at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Should be a, go ahead, drive this on the road, take your life and death box. Yeah. So, so my, my uncle, um, I had uncle Richard, who was my, my dad's, uh, next oldest brother. And he, he loved muscle cars and, um, uh, he stopped buying them when he wrecked like his fifth <laughs> because you got, you just got, I mean, they're muscle cars. The whole point of muscle cars is they have a really powerful engine in there. Oh, yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, you will, you will wreck a, your car. And so, yeah, he had about five between the years, about 68 to 72 that he just absolutely trashed. L luckily he didn't die, but yeah, it was he had some really nice cars. He had a Barracuda. He had a, oh gosh, he had a Mustang. Uh, he had a, uh, what's the bullet car? He had a, um, 
GT. Yeah. Yeah, he had some he had some really nice cars. Unfortunately, none of them lasted longer than a year. But. I, I just got rid of my early seventies Charger because it got so oh, rusty Charger. that I leaned against the side of it and kept going. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not going to fix this anymore. Oh, that's right. too bad. Yeah, Chargers are beautiful and, cars. Well, too. We got lots of money just for the parts that were still good. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That was and I never paid big money for these. These were always just used cars that we had. Do you ever do you ever have that dream? Because you know, collectors always have that dream. You walk into somebody's garage sale and there's a whole bunch of you know orange B3s or something. So do you ever have that dream that you go to somebody's garage and they go, oh, I got this old car, I just want to get rid of, and they roll it up and there's just like, oh my gosh, you know, like a, a actually I've had, that I've had that reality. I've oh that yeah, well tell us that story then. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I, you want to laugh? I had a guy um, when when we still lived in Illinois outside my farm. He's coming down the road. You can hear him coming. Bang, 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 bang. Which, to a car person, they know means it's got a rod knock. Okay? Really loud rod knock. Rod knock. And he parks out in front, and it's a 1968 Barracuda. And he walks up to the door, and he goes, I just bought this thing. You know, for 20 bucks, I'd get rid of it today. <laughs> and I go, I, I say, here you go. He goes, you can hear that engine, can't you? I said, you see that barn back there? Yeah. There's about 14 of those engines in it. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he sold me his Barracuda for 20 bucks. Oh, wow. Here's the funny part. I went down to the barn. I got a gas can. I poured gas into his blown-up engine. Blown up. One of the rods is sticking out the side of the engine. There's a hole this big inside <laughs> the engine. And parts of the engine are sticking out. Hit the key. It started up. I drove it down to the barn. <laughs> nice. Who says eight cylinders? Seven's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, he has a question here. It looks like Mike well, Gross second, is there. Yeah, and Mike Gross is not just a regular, but he's done some editing for me. So, by the way, if anybody's looking for somebody who's a, a great games editor and knows RPGs, Mike was probably a man. Yeah, you know, I, you know I, Mike, great, your name rings a bell. Um, I can't put a face to the name right now mentally. Uh, I'll, I'll help you on that one. He was working with Gary. Before Jeff came into the uh, project, uh, Mike's wife at the time had cancer and he had to back out of the project okay. and she wound up deceasing. But he was working with Gary on, uh, what was it, uh, Ca Castle? Uh, Castle Zagig. Zagig, Zagig, yeah. Yes. Okay. And Zagig yes. actually was percolating at roughly the same time as Legendary Adventure, as I remember. Yep. So. Because LA, yeah, LA, we and by the way, hi Mike, good to hear from you. <laughs> we uh, LA started in '99. I want to say we started it up. Uh, Gary came to me saying he couldn't find investors willing to back his project. How, how if he formed a partnership with me, what would we need to launch his first three core books? And I looked at at that point, I had all the equipment I told you about earlier. I had the duplicator, right. I had the binder, and I said, well, if you only want to print a couple hundred copies. We can do this for like $4,000, including artwork and everything. Ah, okay. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That was for you. Um, and he immediately said, oh, get your wife to do some paperwork and we'll, and we'll sign paperwork off. One of the reasons, one of the reasons that, and I know it's not an industry uh, uh, secret, that there's a little bit of friction between, let's just say, his survivors of, of a used to be married to him kind. Oh, we, 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 well, we, no, no problem. We talk about that a lot on our show. Yeah. So, yes. Well, well, oh, yeah. yeah. It was because it was a partnership. It wasn't an LLC. It wasn't a sole proprietorship where I worked for Gary or Gary worked for me. It wasn't, it was a partnership. 
So we both owned everything that came out of LA. Now, I don't claim any rights to LA, so don't get me wrong. That's entirely Gary. But some of the stuff we did together, I claim some rights to. Anyway, like the entire Chronicles of the Legendary Earth. Because that's not all Gary. Gary gave me one book, and I said, this reads like an encyclopedia, Gary. And by the way, I, he was a regular guy. You could talk to him like that. Uh -huh. He got a little upset. And I said, no, watch. I said, I'm going to do the first book for you. I said, we're going to break this out into a series of five books, and we're going to put a little more meat with the potatoes. And so we put in rumors and legends, and we put in the so-and-so king has eyes for the such-and-such -such queen of so-and-so and all of these politics and things. And he read the first Legendary Earth book and said, you're right. I like this a lot better. Don't just send them to press. Let me see them first, but go ahead and do your thing. So there were actually supposed to be five legendary earth books. I think we got three of them into print before the whole thing blew up. So, and unfortunately that because they're connected to Gary's name, they're all out of print indefinitely, I guess. Not uh, necessarily indefinitely, but I'm not going to give them away and they don't you. want to pay me for them. No, so. I hear you. Well, you should, yeah. you, you should own your writing. So yes. Yeah. I mean, and those were good books. I, I actually, I, I actually own the, uh, I guess the core three, and then I own the box set from uh, Troll Lords. Okay. And and now and the, I did you get the legendary light. No. Because I was, I thought the box set did it have the Moon Slaves um, adventure in it. Uh, you know, I got, I, I have two box sets, and one did not come with the adventure. One did. Is that, that's uh, my, I, got, I got them. I got them on eBay. So who knows? Yeah. Well, so. and I gave I gave the rights to the Troll Lords, but I wrote that adventure. Oh really? Okay. Because there were people writing in LA at the time. So yeah. And Troll Lords and I get along great, which is why, for instance, Warden went through Troll Lords because I've known Steve forever. He's a salt of the earth kind of guy. So. Yeah, that was a that, that was another recent project. Um, that was the la latest version of uh, uh, the Warden. Um. That was actually one that kind of I was busy with things going on. I don't know if I backed that one, but that was the the uh, uh, that was you, Jim. Who else was on that project? That was a uh, pretty uh, pretty much Jim and I. The they they redid the layout because I'm right. not a layout guy. They're redoing a bunch of the art because I'm really not an art guy. <laughs> but yeah, Jim and I basically finished the book with <coughs> excuse me some significant editing work done. Especially I want to uh, give a shout out to. Um, uh, 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 yeah, Scott. No, Scott. Scott that edits all the stuff with a Scott. Uh, Scott Swift. No, uh, um, Scott. And I'm, Scott. I'm sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> um, Scott. I want to say Macintosh, but that's not right. Give me one second, and I will look. <laughs> uh, uh, Apple. Uh. Uh, now you're just being silly. <laughs> yes, I'm trying. Well, you know, Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim. No way, that's different. No. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a lot of Scott. Well, that, well, now when's that supposed to be uh, finally out? The uh, the the latest. I, they haven't shipped it yet. Don't worry, I don't have my copy. I have I have the copy that I did ahead of time to show everybody that just in case something like a, a protracted release on it happened. Um, it wasn't Jim and I who hadn't done the work. That's kind of why that original book, and I know uh, I know yeah. Doug showed you his. Mm -hmm. um, Doug has that original with just the weird-looking ship on the cover. Right. But I sent those out just so that everybody would know that that we'd done our thing. Where are the Scott edits? <laughs> well, I'm 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 a huge, huge Metamorphosis South fan, huge Gamma World fan. 
Um, so I'll, I'll end up at some point purchasing that from some, from somebody. I, I have no doubt too, that the layout when it's done is going to be worth the wait, but yeah, it, it was, you know what? I can look right there. But my last purchase of gamma or memoir self was Epsilon city and I got it. It's a gigantic book. And then I realized I'm never going to use this. <laughs> it's a, it was an aspirational purchase. I put it on my shelf. It looks great. I'm like, maybe I should lay off the metamorphosis out for a while because I, I have a room oh, full of that. Yeah. Oh God. You'll think, you'll think it's funny because it, it all started because I took Jim to one side. Now I'm sure you guys have played Gamma World, Metamorphosis Alpha. Most people prefer Gamma World. I'm one of the few that preferred Metamorphosis Alpha, and I will explain myself. Um Metamorphosis Alpha had parameters to it. In other words, it wasn't a universe expansive area to explore. It had actual walls around the universe you could explore. And so as a GM, you were in better control of the world than you are in Gamma World. But I don't think MA ever took off, and I told this to Jim, because um, they never supported it. Uh Right. Well, how do you support something like that? I said, uh, that's a no-brainer. The center of the entire game is the ship. Why didn't you guys ever do the ship? Scott McKinley. Yeah. I'm sorry. There we go. Oh, Scott McKinley. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and he is the most incredible editor I work with, honest to gosh. And I have no <laughs> no, no qualifiers to put on that. Just flat out, yeah, he's he's the best. Um, being that as it may, uh, I, I said to Jim, you know, if you guys had just done even one level of the ship and put it out there, this game would have sold so much better. Oh, I don't, th- Chris. I don't think you understand Metamorphosis Alpha fans very well. So we do the book mostly as my way of showing Jim that I knew what I was talking about. It was all just a fight between Jim and I, and then you know, and a book resulted, <laughs> a massive whale killing seven hundred plus page uh, book, six hundred eighty-two. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something, uh, Chris. I I used to play Metamorphosis Alpha with Gamma World rules, and that's and so I have a story when I, when I got the original re- when the reprint came out. Of Goodman Games of, of Metamorph Self, I thought it'd be fun to run a game using the original rules. Right. And so I'm sitting there, and I and I, I had this scenario I always run. It's a it's a Metamorph Self scenario. I've been running it for years. Um, and it's 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 one of those coming of age scenarios, and you have to go here and do this, and you get mutated, and all those things happen. So I'm, but I always used to run it with Gamble World rules. So I pull out the Metamorph Self rules, and I'm I'm running it, and I get to a point, and I'm like, wait a second, and I look. And the um, the values of the – so basically everything is – in the Metamorph Self rules is something versus something else. That's how the rules go. It, it's, a, right. it's a chart where, you know, you, you use this DC versus this AC and you, and you do right. it. Right, opposed roles, yes. Yeah, the monster had – monsters had no DCs, and I was like <laughs> – So I call, I call a friend of mine up, Jim Wampler, and I say – did you, I know you've played Metamorph Self before. Um, did, did you notice that the he goes, Yeah, you found the flaw in the game. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, yeah, it originally came out and they forgot to put DCs for all the monsters. He said, just wing it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe it. So there's no DCs of any of the monsters Metamorph Self, which is funny. But I but yeah, I used to run uh, Metamorph Self using Gam World rules because I, I agree with you. I love the constrainment of actually being in the ship yeah. and you have you have this world that's like whatever whatever miles by whatever miles and that's your whole world and then um you just either, yeah, and you either better save it or get off of it those are your two options there's nothing in between if you don't save it it's gonna crash into a sun or it's gonna die from lack of oxygen or something 
Okay. Yeah, so you, and there's you, a, there's so much lore in there. There's so much lore because you start out. Uh, it depends on how your party starts out. There's so many great ways to start out. You could be, um, you could be people that are frozen in yeah. cryogenic, and then you wake up and you have to save the ship. Uh, I used to start on the scenario. I start out with you lived in a valley, and that's where you're you would always come from. But there was a there was a creation myth that a long time ago you'd come through a path through the mountains hundreds of years earlier, and your people had settled there, and that was basically between decks. You had become right. between decks, but you forgot all that and then but there's 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 tons of different ways to begin it which is great i mean you, you no no two scenarios are ever alike in game world which is, what, which is one, of the, one of the things i've been yelled at and people were expecting it and they're like do you finally solve the mystery of what happened to the ship i said oh no what <laughs> <laughs> i said we offer four different possible solutions so that whatever way you've been playing the game for the last 20 years you don't have to change it but there are yeah, there are there are four different there are four sets of evidence that suggest that this guy was right. It was a wave of radiation. No, it was this guy. It was dimensional rift. No, it was this guy. You know, and <laughs> you run into people on the ship that think they caused it, and and have you know have been alive for the last six hundred years as a result. And I hate myself, but I can't die. And you know, there's all sorts of fun stuff like that in there. Yeah. Well, we, we, I've always loved playing out. I wish, I wish it was a more popular game because, like you said, I, I agree with you, Chris. I think one of the issues with it was when it first came out, it was not supported. It was never supported. So rather than sit there and go, gosh, I got to create all these levels for this, you know, dungeon, it would have been if, if TSR decided, you know what, we're not going to really release any dungeon modules. You, that, you can figure that out. We're just going to release rules and rule supplements. Well, one of the, the, the huge successes early TSR was the was the dungeons, you know, yeah. because people didn't want to write their own dungeons. They didn't know how to do it. And if I remember correctly, um, and first of all, Gary thought it was a dumb idea because he that's right. why we warriors published the first two or three because he was like, well, Who wants you to who wants to run a dungeon somebody else writes? And then yeah, and once we warriors uh Palace of Empire Queen went through its like 15th printing or whatever, he's like, Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> There's a little money in here because apparently people are buying dungeons. When he released um, LA, he did not want to write dungeons for it. Really? It, wow, all, there's a number of dungeons out under LA, and I wrote about half of them. But of all of none are written by Gary. I got him to do one if you got the author's editions or the premiere editions of the first three core rule books. There is one adventure in the back of those three books, it's in three parts, okay, that Gary wrote. That's a Gary adventure. That's the only adventure he ever published for his own system. Wow. It's just interesting because that. I look at adventures as is that's how you rather than reading the rules, I like to sometimes just pick up a scenario because that's how you learn how the rules run by reading the right. adventures. And yeah. then, and sometimes that gives you a heads up when you read the rules. You kind of got a head start, like, okay, well, this is what this means, and this is what how they stat monsters or stat, you know, weapons. Uh, so I, I think that's very essential. And I think if if they had come out with, okay, we're, we're gonna do a, a level of metamorphosis alpha, you know. You know, a level a year or something, or level every two levels a year. I, I yeah, I think that'd have been hugely successful. You know, and if you just sit down and do it, it only takes about two years to you know do all seventeen right. level. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is that how long it experience, took? Are we? <laughs> that is how long it took. Yes. Well, um, you want, no, you'd laugh. We had the first two weeks. We had all these arguments from Jim and I. Jim, yeah, you can't just have the engines on one end of the ship. Why not? Because every time you turn, the ship will snap in half. It's 40 miles long. 
<laughs> oh, well, uh, uh, no, you need to put thrusters all around the hull, all over the place, just like they are in the shuttle. You know, little things that, that shoot right. out from different parts of the ship to correct your attitude. You can put a drive back there, but you can't have it turn from the rear. No. Okay. Right. But you can't build it on the earth, Jim. It has to be built in space. Right. Why? Because otherwise, when it takes off, it will cause worldwide <laughs> devastation. It's, 40 it's miles huge, by 20 but miles. it's gigantic. Yes. yes. Something smaller than that killed all the dinosaurs. <laughs> we had a number of fibers. I couldn't get him to, we had to leave the anti-gravity in there. And of course, there's no scientific way to explain anti-gravity, at least yet. <laughs> so we had to make that up. But believe it or not, there's an explanation of faux physics of how anti-gravity even works in that book. So, <laughs> well, you just have to make it sound good. It doesn't have to be real science. I do, I mean, I do a little atomic diagram and showed you what the gravitons <laughs> were and all. Yeah, it's, it's cute. Anyway. So, so one of the favorite things about Metamorphosis Alpha was I think that was the first place I ran across the uh, flow chart. Where, uh, oh, figuring things out? Oh, yeah. You find something and and start rolling on the flow chart. And so you either figured out how to work that laser pistol or you blew your, you know, you shot a bullet you're through your, you're through your friend's eye. Because your right arm is missing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or, oh, your friend. So when somebody's trying out a laser, everybody else in the party leaves and goes like really far away because, you know, one of the results is always like, the guy next to you gets his, you know, you shoot a needle gun through his brain. So the, those were great. Lo love the uh, flow charts though, too. Those were those are well, I, I was always a huge Metamorphosis Alpha fan, and because they didn't do it, I had from my high school days a, a D-ring binder that had all 17 levels. And, no, I didn't use any of that. It, oh my! I looked back and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is terrible stuff!" Oh my god, you know. Um, so we we did a little better job than that, but yeah. And you know, it's funny. It's about to me, especially in adventures, especially when I mean that's a source book, but it's filled. Believe it or not, it's a source book filled with probably. 200 ready-to-play adventures and another 2,000 adventure springboards that you can write the adventure for. Oh, wow, yeah. But the most important thing in any of that is wondering, well, why is it like that? Okay, great. You've got a mutated badger on the shore of this river. Why doesn't he walk away when you shoot lasers at him? Why does he want to <laughs> stay and fight? What is it that keeps a, a mutated badger on the edge of a river? And it's not hard to put reasons behind it. Well, because his girlfriend lives at the hole just down the river, and she's <laughs> going to come by when you're shooting at her boyfriend and not be happy about it either. You know? Right. So, uh, if if you if you don't put wise in there, to me, it's it's a monster and treasure list. And yeah, any idiot could do monster. There are nine different auto-generating monster and treasure lists already available on the internet for free. Right. But they don't give you wise. They give you just monsters and treasures. Um, so has, has everybody here seen the movie Pandorum? Eric, yes. have you seen that? Excellent film. Yeah, that's no, but that, pull me in. It's it's Metamorphosis Alpha. <laughs> it basically. Oh, okay. Well, I, I kind of spoiled the whole movie for you by just telling you that, unfortunately. But uh, yes, it is a. Um, Do it's, not it's a great, give great the movie. wonderful ending part. No, that's, great movie yeah. came out about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It's, it's been out for a while. I had heard about it because somebody said they ripped off Jim Ward, and then Jim Ward very graciously said no because I yeah. ripped off nonstop or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I wouldn't get that far. Yeah, he was like, uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I cribbed ideas from you know movies, so books that I read. So it wasn't like they just stole from me. But yes, it's 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 uh, probably the best metamorphosis alpha movie we'll ever get so uh give your give yourself a uh 
a time when you can go when you can see that rent, rent that Derek and watch it. It's very 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 good. very good. There's a pan, <laughs> it was a Pandorum two. I didn't know oh, that. No, I've never seen Pandorum two. Pandorum one's great. That's, it's got, it's got right. some pretty good name actors uh, in it too. Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid was in it. Um, ben Foster, I think, is the is the other main character. The two main characters, but it, it's about a generation ship and things that happen to it. And a guy gets woken it up really, early. It's really and it's very good. Very very good. Very well written movie. Very fun. And it's it, very much the spirit of uh, Men of Wolf's Alpha. So. Uh, and speaking of which, um, Jim and I have one last. You remember the whole dark series from Eldridge, right? Dark Outpost, Dark Visitor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dark those Dark. are really, those are very good. I love those. We have uh, one more dark that is number three of my five on the list right now. <laughs> so those <laughs> are really good. I, wanna do. I, I uh, don't remember how many there were, Chris, but those were great for any science fiction game. Yes, really. Well, and that they were written that way. Uh-huh. No, I, 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 I'm not going to presuppose that they're always great, but yeah, that they, they were written to be multi-platform uh, adventures. No, the the one that's left is Dark Legacy. And it's about why scout ships just every once in a while disappear when they're doing uh, surface scans of the dark colony. And they just just disappear from radar and are never heard from again. And Fleet, of course, thinks that someone's stealing them. And so they hire you to figure out what's going on. Uh, yes, Dark Legacy, soon to a theater near you or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, had a, I played a game at a convention once, and I... And it was it was sci-fi, and I realized about halfway through it was Dark Outpost. <laughs> I'm like, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's dark. Didn't use the plot, but he used the the floor plans. Everything was so it, they're those, they're useful when it comes uh, to using them for a star, you know, a science fiction type role role playing game. Very very um, very useful for anything like that. John John just mentioned in the comments that you know T one T one was my favorite of the early adventure modules. Because it is so loaded with reasons why things are the way they are. I just, at the time, I think it, it it's a masterpiece of its time. I would I could play T1 15 times and play it different every time. Well, we talked about, comment. one of the things we talk about, Eric and I, we talked about actually yesterday too, was uh, the touchstones in our hobby. And that's, that's back when you had touchstones because there was so few releases of anything. When you went to yep. a convention, I mean, we told we just told the story twenty four hours ago. You went to a convention, you go, "Hey, uh, what happened to you in Tomb of Horrors?" Everybody knew what you're talking about. Everybody played Tomb yep. of Horrors. Everybody knew Village of Hollywood. Did y'all kill all the villagers there? And did you fight the druid? Oh yeah, we did that. We all did. That. So everybody knows that. And nowadays, there's just so much product out there. You don't have those touchstones of the hobby. Mm. You don't. You don't have. You know, everybody doesn't say, "Well, I played this," because it's just there's just too much out there. No and one then, will and, ever play all of the different stories right. in the Warden. There isn't time in a lifetime. <laughs> There you go. That's good. That's kind of like, so mega dungeon space is what we're looking at. That's awesome. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Although it is meant that you can just flip it open and start playing. You don't have to prep. There, there's about 200 of those adventures in, that are just nested in there. Just thumb through the pages till you get a, get to a spot where it's like, Oh yeah, this reads like an adventure. It must be. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick that up eventually. I, I'm going to get my metamorphosis alpha campaign role. I, I ran Mike and Liz Stewart and a couple other people through a, uh, my beginning scenario and they, they enjoyed it enough to where I'm like, I need to bring this to convention and run this. So I'll, I'll get, uh, uh, I don't know about that, but uh, people uh, that are afraid of public. Jim might beat me up because he, I, I don't, I think he owns Who all the rights. To do, stuff. He, Jim owns all the rights to for South. I can't publish any more for South stuff. He, he'd take, take me out behind the woodshed. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but, uh, Shadzar brings up a point. When people say now they play they play D and D. 
they're playing uh-huh. RPGs. It's the Kleenex. It's the it's, Xerox. It's become yeah, it's become a generic term for a role playing game, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's it's Xerox. Yeah, because Xerox is a product name, but yet right. it's yep. also yeah Kleenex. But it's also thing. public domain now. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah D and D does fill when I and and you're right, Eric. I'll talk to people and say, oh yeah, do you play? Oh, you sell D and D stuff, and then they'll start talking about Call of Cthulhu. I'm like, well, you're talking about Call of Cthulhu, but I understand what you're where you're coming from. It's a role playing game, and it you know makes sense to call everything. I, I, I still play first edition when we play fantasy. I, I'm I'm hooked. I can't help it. <laughs> no, I I don't play. Listen, I play Swords and Wizardry, but it's only because Swords and Wizardry. It's the modern rule set that plays like first, like first edition play when we played it. No weapon speed, no segments, no, no weapon versus AC adjustment. You know, and, and on the other quick. side of it, there's no restrictions. Right. My character wants to climb a tree to see what's going on. You know. Oh well, we don't have a climbing role. Uh, where's your Where's your tree game, climbing right? skill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wait a second. It's in the wilderness survival guide. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> page flip. Page flip. Yeah. Now everybody. Now we play. Now my group. We still play second edition because we have all the books. And to us, second edition was basically house rule one e, and we it always yeah. gets a bad rap because it has um, oh, what do they call them? The little skills you have to learn. Like oh, there's a skill for like cooking like well you don't know how to cook well no it just means you you're doing something that you no. wouldn't normally be able to do it's it gets it gets a rip for the splat yeah. and the kits oh well no that oh, was I, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I was, that was yeah that was for the win and i just talk, got mad at tsr for all of the, all of the reprint material they're yanking 35 bucks a book out of your pocket and my <laughs> my fighter's handbook has half the reprint material from the player's handbook and, you oh, know. yeah yeah so, that, i never got heavily into second edition because of that it's funny. I can play and enjoy the heck out of three and three point five, but I can't write for them. My brain does not work in three point five. Well, um, Steve Winter let us in on the <laughs> one of the conventions. Let us on the secret of the of the member of the handbooks. He said that because we said, well, "Why did you end up with all these crazy? You know, you had the fighters handbook and the thief, and you end up with these crazy classes." Because we never play tested any of those. <laughs> we just we would just assign a book to somebody like, "Okay, you're doing the the book of druids." And they would have to come up with this whole book, and so nothing was ever play tested. That's why right. the splat books are just terrible because they don't. There's no balance. You I, know. I actually stopped buying yeah. TSR product after uh, Unearthed Arcana. Later, somebody showed me one, and I picked up a secondhand copy of Oriental Adventures. But that was it. Did there's some? I, I actually, I, I was probably we started playing about '78, so I played a lot during the second edition. There was there was some good stuff, uh, Chris, but it was. Mostly, you get to look for writers. Uh, Night below. Well, the Forgotten Realm stuff was good. Some it of it was, was some of it was good. Stuff, but I just didn't feel no, like the, the rule supplement stuff's over the top. But uh, Night Below is a very good box set. It's by um, oh, what's the guy's name? I want to say Carl Peterson. I can't remember the name. Uh, Carl Sargent. Carl mm-hmm. Sargent, who did who did some work for TSR, and he was kind of a he was from Warhammer. He did some kind of dark stuff, which was not very you know it wasn't big in TSR back in the day, but Night Below is a good box. So there's 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 some things that good that count in the 90s, but there's a lot of fluff. A lot of yeah. fluff that just is just trying to take money out of your pockets because yeah. you're the it's the monster, right? You gotta feed the monster because you you know the perfect game is you come up with a version of it, we're through. That's it. We did it. Okay. There you go. Play well, our game. And they did stuff like Ravenloft and whatnot. Okay. I bought a Ravenloft set, but I didn't buy it because I wanted new Ravenloft rules. I bought it because I wanted the world of Ravenloft. And most most folks I find it's funny if they buy into a new role playing system, they really don't want the system. If they role play, they already have a system. Sure. They want your right. world. 
I agree with you. And there are people yeah. making fantastic worlds out there. Oh, that they added a role playing system to, which you could just ignore. But the world is worth worth the price of admission, if you will. You know. Yeah, yeah, Dandelion. So the 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 interesting story about. Carl Sargent is, yes, he just disappeared one day. And there's a lot of stories about how that happened. Um, but you, if you go on the internet, you can find some of those stories. But yes, he was a he was a pretty prolific writer for Warhammer. He came TSR. He did the From the Ashes reboot of Greyhawk. He, uh, his stuff is very well written. His Warhammer stuff is extremely well written. His TSR stuff is extremely well, well written. He also wrote a couple of Dungeon Adventures. I, as you can tell, I'm a huge fan of Carl Sargent. And he literally just disappeared one day. He, he left... Uh, just some people say he got in a plane and flew back, flew to England or did something, and that was it. He was he's, he was out of the hobby, didn't yeah, say goodbye go. to anybody, just took off. And and people, I think they said later he became a professor teaching something in the UK. And that was a guess. He just got fed up with the life and said, jumped into his Barracuda and <laughs> drove off into the sunset and said, That's it. I'm through with I'm through with writing uh, RPGs, but uh. Yeah, that was a very interesting story, the Carl the Carl Sargent story. Chanto just put up that they overprinted. They did, and it's funny. You remember what was it, about 89, 88, TSR started running out of money. And, I mean, by 1989, there was a point in there where you're 88. You couldn't even get character sheet packs from your local store because TSR was releasing nothing and because they were broke. Right. That's when I got to know Gary Gygax because I looked at – my then partner, the guy who was helping me with Fuzzy Heroes, was Robert Bigelow that used to write the miniatures column in Dragon Magazine through the Looking Glass. And he's still around, by the way. He runs a game store. <laughs> and, and a lot of people think it's the game store that's in um, uh, KODT, but let's not go there. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, so I told Bob, I said, you know, if I'm going to write adventure modules just because there aren't any out there, I said, nobody knows me. I said, let's see if Gary's doing anything. He knows me a little. And maybe he'll want to work with me because he's not making money right now either. So I called Gary Gygax. He's called him on the phone. He said, do I know you? And I said, yeah, we played a couple of games together in Gen Con. Oh, yeah, you're that, that little pop gun fart kid. I said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and and uh, I said, I'm writing a series of, of dungeon modules, which are the Challenge of Arms, Ritual of the Golden Eyes, Cast of the And I said, I, I've got four or 500 bucks I could throw at you. Would you write one of these modules with me? He said, yeah, as long as your check clears. And so we started writing <laughs> together. And we actually got to be very good friends writing Challenge of Arms together. We, we, I'm not going to go into too much detail, so don't worry. We shared similar political viewpoints. We liked the same kind of women. We drank the same kind of booze. We smoked the same kind of cigarettes. You know, Be that as it may, we started working together. And it was when Castle Wolfman was finishing up but hadn't been finished yet that he approached me with Legendary Adventure. So the reason there's a Castle Wolf Moon, but it's like some of the most famous vaporware of the industry, is because it never got finished because we shifted to Legendary Adventure instead. Um, I, I am planning on that's number two on my list right now. <laughs> is Castle Wolf Moon? So uh, the, the the ritual of the Golden Eyes and the, the Wolf Moon series were interesting because I remember when they came out, they you had like little picture books and stuff, which I, I don't know why more people didn't do those. Those were actually really. Oh, really I bought that from S one from Tomb of Horrors. But they had the pages in the back. Why did they do that? I love that. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. You want to be able to throw the pictures out in front of your players so they can see it. Now, what's really neat, Mike, is in, and they're they're actually loose leaf in those books, Mm -hmm. the pictures. Okay. But the pictures you throw out for the characters don't have things like the tripwires in them. Whereas the pictures you as the GM see in the book do. So they're Uh, actually slightly different pictures uh, that you show the characters. Nice. 
And yeah, people like it. I don't know. The artwork wasn't that great back then, but it's, you know, well, it's S S three had pictures too. I remember that it was a picture. Book, had good pictures though. But I, <laughs> I think Baltron's Beacon. There might be like three or four that had pictures, but I, I'm really surprised they didn't do that with more of their books because that, that was a really good concept. And I I remember when those came out, the Ritual of the Golden Eyes, and the other one. I I remember thinking, oh, this is really cool. This this these have pictures in them. And Gary Gygax has helped write them. Oh my gosh, who's this I've, Chris Clark guy? I don't you know. I've already gotten Luke. <laughs> Ernie and um, uh, Alex, although I don't have Alex in the bag yet, I have to make sure that he's happy with the contract to agree to work on Castle Wolfmoon with me so that on the cover of Castle Wolfmoon, we, we could put now with 300% more guy. <laughs> oh, that would be oh, sweet. That's perfect. That is sweet. Well, you got to have fun. Perfect. If you're not having fun doing this, you're doing something wrong. So, well, I, well, Getting Alex is going to be tough because he's a big magic card guy. I don't know because he even said, he goes, I don't really play much D&D, &D, so you're going to have to. Well, uh, the, neat, the neat part about Alex is he's a gearhead. So I've got oh, a separate okay. route to which I can worm my way into his heart, I guess. You know? Ah, there you go. Yeah. And he's actually a fairly talented gearhead. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we trade busted knuckle stories all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We had a few. We had quite a few comments here, but man, everybody's getting crazy here. All right, hold on comments. a second. Uh, it's mostly generic D and D stuff, but we'll we'll ask Chris some of this stuff. Um, the uh, character sets with Colin. Bear in mind that during second edition, I was only doing the occasional article for Roger Moore at the Dragon. So, oh really? Now I gotta go back and read my Dragon magazines. <laughs> my, my, the one that that went over the best that I liked the best was one called Retirement Village. It's about a bunch of characters who, who go through dungeons and kill off all the monsters, take their stuff, get to a certain age, and build themselves a village with their with their loot that they've gotten from these dungeons. And all the sons and daughters of the monsters they killed showed up to give them what for. <laughs> and they're all, if you look at the TNG, there's a chart for venerable age on all the races yep. and how it hits your stats. So there's a bunch of these 25th level guys with like stats of three and everything, you know. <laughs> and, and so the mage is going, uh, fire, don't help me. It starts with a B. Fire, oh, fire, gosh. bowl. No, it's not bowl. You know, and, and it, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Just hilarious. Yeah. But but it's, it's, 92, I want to say. Like so, Dungeon 92 or, or Dragon 92. Somebody mentions Adventures Dark and Deep. Uh, that was the 2E ver. That was what 2E would have been. Uh, that, uh, was that. Was that blog that did that? Yeah, blog did that. Yeah, that's that was interesting. I, I like some of, I like a lot of the the OSR type rule sets because I always find something I can use in almost any rule set. And I, there was some really good. I, I just read, um, oh gosh, what's the rule set? I just read Crips and things, uh, and I found some really interesting rules oh, yeah. there. I never read it before. Newport. Yeah, yeah. That there's actually, some really good rules in there that I did, that I would like to probably put into my campaign if I really had a chance. It's a lighter, it's a lighter version, kind of of uh, astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of right. Hyperborea. It's built off of the uh, swords and wizardry rules, so it probably feels a bit more yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah. I just happened to run into it. I read it. And I, I'd never read it before, and I was like, "There's some pretty good little ideas in here." Um, so yeah, I, I always get something from you know every everything you read. I mean, I use it because I say we play second edition D D, but really we just. We play first edition. We use the second edition book, so it's kind of, you know, for, yeah. That's the great thing about first and second edition D and D. You can just go back and forth. There's really not you, a lot. You of can it. borrow rules, mechanics from anything yeah. of mine that you ever see. I have no problem with people publishing borrowed rules, mechanics. Don't steal my worlds, but you can steal <laughs> all the mechanics you want. There's a YouTube video of, of a Gary Khan panel with 
of all the Gygaxes, except that she who will not be named. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm best. I'm best. You know, it, it's kind of like Candyman. If you say the name three times, they'll get threatened with legal action. So yeah, I'll, no. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably just avoid that. Well, that used to be, like I said, it used to be Lorraine Williams, except that now she's not the villain du jour anymore. It's it's uh, the, other, it's the other lady. Very hated yeah. Lorraine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chris, not very, I don't think very many people liked her at all. Um, I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm friends with Fred Dilly for a while, and I know he didn't like his sister for quite a long time. They, I think they've recently kind of uh, um, had a – whatever you call it. Yeah, they've reconciled a little bit because they're getting – they're – having some legal issues with the Buck Rogers. And so they've reconciled so they can, somebody's basically trying to steal the Buck Rogers uh, uh, IP okay. from, yeah, it's a long story. It's a, he had a post on it, but yeah, he didn't, I don't think he spoke to her for like almost 20 years. So yeah, I don't think she was very well liked pretty much anywhere. And especially after the stuff she pulled with the, with Gary and TSR. So, uh, although, yes. although I did, I did talk to somebody an, an old timer who I won't name the name, who I asked him, he worked under Lorraine. I said, what was it like? He said, well, we got paid, <laughs> you know, so we got a paycheck and, yeah, you know, I mean. Yeah. No, it was funny. <laughs> I, was, I was at uh, Gen Con the year that the, that the the notice of what had occurred at TSR came through. It was actually called Black Sunday right there at wow. the con. This was one of, it was wow. one of still in Milwaukee. But every, have you heard about Black Sunday? What? Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's interesting. I think Gary or Eric and I talked about this before because, uh, um, especially me being in the hinterlands of Texas, and not ever going to to really big conventions or going to Gary Con or, or sorry Gen Con back then, we we never knew stuff happened. We just looked one day yeah. and all of a sudden Gary's name wasn't on books, and that's all we knew. And yeah. it wasn't until years later, you know, that you start going to conventions, you start meeting people in the industry. Especially when I got on the internet, when I first got on AOL in '92 or whatever, you start talking to people, you find out what happened all those years because I, we never knew what happened, you know, until maybe like you know the '90s, and that's when we're like, oh wow, he got well, fired, and this happened, and well, we we didn't know all this stuff. And if you never got to Milwaukee to Gen Con, you never witnessed one of the Nerf Wars. <laughs> Early Sunday morning exhibit hall Nerf Wars, I'm telling you. Really? They, had the, they had the big castle, right? And they, would, yep, uh, they had the big castle, the and castle. all the TSR employees would defend the castle with Nerf guns, and the rest of us would attack. And, uh, yeah, it, I actually had the privilege of taking over the, you know, they had the little tower that they would put, like, folk bands on top of and whatnot. Yeah, we actually took the tower with Margaret Weiss leading us, yeah. And then she did nice. the silly English Connecticut speech. It was awesome. You should have been. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately, my first my first Gen Con was, I don't know, twelve years my, ago. So yeah, unfortunately. Oh, my, my first was like Gen Con twenty five and ninety three or ninety four. Oh, you were. Yeah, well, that's way before me. Yeah. Oh, that was, uh, was two thousand eight. Yeah, that was still seven that, or eight. That, that, that was still Milwaukee, and. Uh, when our first cab driver found out what the hotel where we were staying at and how much we got charged, actually the second cab driver, how much we got charged to go from the airport to the hotel, our driver the next morning had to drive us to the to Gen Con. We were like 15 minutes out of central Milwaukee. He wouldn't take money from us. Oh, you guys already, he goes, you already got screwed. I'm, I'm, I can't. I was like, Holy shit! I can't screw you again. <laughs> you already got screwed. Listen, uh, it was three New Yorkers sharing a hotel room that first morning for Gen Con. Streets. It was a Thursday morning, and the streets in downtown Milwaukee were 
empty. We still couldn't believe it. As New Yorkers, the city's insane. And there was a homeless guy digging through a garbage pail. He was looking for bottles or whatever. And he sees us and goes, good morning, gentlemen. I was like, where the fuck are we? It's like we're, <laughs> it's we're, we're Twilight not in New York episode. anymore, Jono. Yeah. We're no we get, longer we get, in New York. We, we get to the corner, and of course, the, you know, the lights don't says don't walk. And it's like we look left, we look right, and we're about to walk, and then we realize, hey, this, that person at that corner is waiting for the fucking light to change. What the hell? We're New Yorkers. You, there's no traffic. There is traffic. You still no go. Cop, you no stop. Run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Jaywalking is a rite of passage in New York City. Here, I was like, we don't want to. You weren't staying at the hotel in Wisconsin, were you? I have no clue. That's the it divey was, one right across from the shopping mall. That's, you, know. you know what? It was pretty divey, and it was off some kind of strip. But, yeah, it was... Uh, I think the, the like the couch in the room had like some cigarette holes in it. If I recall correctly, <laughs> yeah, it was it was. Uh, but listen, we we were out. You know, we, we had to get, we were out of the room by seven o'clock in the morning with just enough time to eat a quick breakfast. But we got downtown, got in for eight o'clock games, got all, got out at midnight, ate our dinner at midnight with like you know at, at some local bar with some good beer and, and great night. burgers. Yeah. I, I don't even know which one it was. I just we just were like, man, the tap beer here is awesome. <laughs> and uh Nectar of the Gods, as we called it. It's just like this is what our gaming characters would be drinking. And uh, <laughs> it, listen, my I've I've mentioned this before, but my highlight was uh uh Dale Slade Henson was running some spell jammer thing in like one of the uh exhibit halls, whatever, and it was like just it, it was a, a simple mini game. And people were coming, and they were playing with the minis and trying to capture the spell jammer ship. And uh, I played around it too. I got killed, and I was, I was watching. So he goes up to me, he goes, "Hey, kid, no, I was like twenty-five. I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, "You think you can run this?" I'm like, "Huh?" Listen, <laughs> I go, "Really? The secret is high roll wins. You pretend you're looking up stuff on a sheet, but whoever rolled the if, whether you if you roll the highest roll." The game master wins, otherwise they win. There's no adjustments. No matter what they think, there's no adjustments. I'm like, okay. Why? I, I gotta take a piss. You know, I, I'll be back in like 10 minutes. <laughs> 35, maybe maybe 40 minutes later, he comes strolling back. In the meantime, I'm like, hey, the whole time you're like on oh, air, like somebody from TSR is gonna walk by, they're gonna ask me where where <laughs> where Slade is. I'm gonna be like, uh, 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 I don't know. You don't get the guy in trouble. I, he came back for a relax. He must have like grabbed the smoke and whatever else. Uh -huh. like, right. I got it now. I was like, wow, that was a highlight. And I go, and there's no pictures of me running it because none, none of my friends of were nearby. Not, no. no, it would have been. Well, fun. you didn't have picture phones back then. You didn't. Have, you had to have, no, an I couldn't have done camera. A, yeah, couldn't have done a selfie. I have pictures no. from the from the uh, <laughs> convention, but nothing really from. Not too many. I get some pictures with the guys from uh, Palladium. That's when we picked up riffs and. Had everybody sign our books. That's when Kevin but, uh, still uh, came in person to every Gen Con too. Yeah, he saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kevin signed. Sambita signed it. Kevin Long signed it. And a few others uh, signed our books. And I was like, "Wow!" So now so, I, it's so big. I don't think you could get anybody to sign or anything. So Chris, when we asked uh, Alan Hammock this question last night, so uh, he also went to some of the early Gen Cons. You went to some of the early Gen Cons. What's the biggest difference? Besides, you know, the obvious, I mean, people that are attending, 
What's the biggest difference between now and then when you attend a, like a big convention, like a Gen Con? Now it's much more commercial. Every, every foot you walk in the exhibit hall, in, in, even in just the con, somebody's trying to sell you something at Gen Con. It's wall-to-wall people. Everybody's in a hurry to get to their event because they paid money for it. And it's, it's less colloquial. Which, in some ways, if you're a wonderfully sophisticated person with extreme taste, you probably prefer. I don't. I liked it when it was a little more friendly. And don't get don't get me wrong. The last couple of Gen Cons, I know their numbers differ, but there was like thirty thousand people in Milwaukee because there was never anywhere to park. Uh-huh. There was never oh, a sure. to get, you know. But it was colloquial. Um, it. Okay, funny story. Uh, second to last Gen Con in Milwaukee, I had come out with a game called Sports Fuzz, which, by the way, it's like Fuzzy Heroes, but you play football with it. Because <laughs> oh, I, okay. I, the guys were always like, you should write Bud Bowl rules, dude. So, okay. <laughs> you could play it with beer bottles. Just put helmets on them. It'll work. It's fine. Anyway, so they went, They come to play this event, and they had come for two years because the game was now two years old, and they brought cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> to a sports buzz event in uh, little cheerleader outfits with pom-poms and nobody thought anything of this open-air event being run with pom-pom girls you know that i didn't even know were going to be there but i said hey it sounds good to me you know it was it was just uh, in many ways it was just a little bit more friendly and that's not to say that gen con isn't friendly it's just not as friendly right uh, yeah, I think yeah, Eric and I would agree with you. That's Eric and I are real big proponents of small cons, and that's why we, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we cut our list down to pretty much Total Con and Gary Con and and Game Hole and well, North, North, North Texas, Texas and, con, yeah. for God's sakes, yeah. You yeah. think North Texas is a little bit more friendly than Gen Con? Oh, it's oh, night yeah. and day. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. the difference between going camping and going to Dork County out here. Dork County for you guys is. Uh, 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 what are the mountain? What's the mountain range? The Appalachians up there, you know, where, where, where there's a vendor every five feet that wants to sell you, uh, you know, pull your own, pull your own amethyst out of the out of the mine. Or <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Versus, yeah let's just go enjoy nature. You know, I think that's really cool though, because I know I know when um. So when we started North Texas, we we I was looking for con because we wanted to do old school games. So I was looking for cons that had old school track. The only one I could find was Total Con. There was no other. I I, was, I looked at every con in the United States. The only con, except for Gen Con, obviously, uh, or Origins. The only cons that had any old school track was uh, Total Con. They were run, running games by Frank Menser. He had, he had his own little room where he ran games. But other than that, there was nothing like what we wanted to do. And I'm so happy now that, you know, we have, we have a lot more choices and you know, we, we've got a lot in, of little well, cons in, that have popped up. In the early nineties, there was QuadCon. They didn't have any money to bring out like a Frank Menzer or a Tim Cask, of course. So th- you didn't see that kind of advertising. Uh-huh. Um, right. QuadCon, TwinCon was an old school con. Uh, and then downstate uh, Galathricon, which of course was uh, was originally started around the Living City people. What was the league called? The Adventurers League, except it wasn't called Adventurers League under the original TSR. Uh, RPG, RPGA. Uh, RPGA. Yeah, 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 it was a big RPGA event. Uh-huh. And actually, Glathricon, I'm pretty sure has has since died a hideous death <laughs> a decade and a half ago. Wow. Uh, just a lack of interest. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael Gross. Uh, Sharkons also. That's a great con run by Tom Wilson. That eventually, I, I'm going to make it there someday because I, uh, I well, actually the we oh. had plans to go to AppleCon last year until uh, COVID. Uh, my wife and I were ready to fly to uh, AppleCon and see uh, Lloyd and them, and then that 
fell through. But I, I told Tom is if he ever makes Sharkon more than one day, I'll go see it because I can't justify the long trip for just a one day con. I'd like to get out. You can visit. You can visit New York. Stay with the ten coins. Yeah, New York. Yeah, whatever. I and see then, that. Then get, That's TV shows. Then you get a ride to the con. Come on, I'll show you my old beat in the South Bronx in the late. Now that would be fun. I would do that. I want to see Fort Apache. Don't invite uh, me unless the car needs work. I will show you the precinct where they filmed the outdoor uh, scenes. The precinct they shot the indoor scenes. The actual Fort Apache. And uh, the new building for Fort Apache, which is which was run down and broken two years after they built it. When I got there in late '97. Oh, I love that movie, Paul 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 Newman, right? Is Paul Newman? And, that was Paul, uh, Paul Newman. Uh, it yeah, was, he did love, a great job. Love that, that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. You know, and I, that, I, I that's I, what I, I thought New York was. I was like, man, New York is a, it's a, it's just like animals, man. It's wild. I mean, that's what New York is. And, between yeah, that, well, you know, you know that Marvel it, it, comics, it, I thought there was just the play it, was it, blowing up every weekend because you know, I, I, in a large part, it was. I remember, you know, with my family going to the Poconos as a kid, and you drive the Cross Bronx Expressway, and all you would see was buildings with uh, tenement buildings with windows that were either cemented up or boarded up with fake windows painted on them all these, tenants, <laughs> all these tenements were burned out and, oh it, was, my God. and it was like and it was like driving like my, my my father was driving i think it was a 73 chevy capri which always had engine problems it's like don't break down don't break down not here don't break down so of course when i, when I get at the police academy in in uh march of 97 they sent me to the one location the one area that i didn't want to go to this the bronx or as yeah, you know, we figured it out when I saw the map. It was actually the asshole of the Bronx, the four two, because it was a, it was. I'll be around the bush, yeah. yeah, it was right there, and it's like, oh, nice. And and I and I, I was getting reoriented in the command the second day in the Bronx. The, the train sergeant's like, just so you know, we're number two in the city for homicides, and we're number two in the city for shootings. Oh boy! And this corner, one six, it was one six three. And Boston Road last week had four people shot, one on each of the four corners. That was the first time for this precinct. I was like, oh my God. That's called a pattern of shootings. Oh no. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and they, they, they shot some of the scene for Fort Apache in this very command, including the, the storming of the precinct was this precinct. It's like, okay. Thank you. It was great. In the end, it was great. It was a great area to work, and and the people, the neighborhood actually was good people because you know you deal with the crap, but the people that live there and were lifelong residents were good people. So you actually felt appreciated. I can't say about cops these days to feel appreciated, but we felt appreciated back then. There was you know. So I, I want to get up well, Lloyd's gun for the exact opposite reason though, because what? I hear there's a lot of nature up there where there aren't shootings of any kind. Other than no, no, no. What kind of nature? What kind of nature is that? <laughs> actually, actually, with Lloyd, uh, I had Lloyd on the show. We were talking, and uh, apparently, the owners of the bed and breakfast, whatever it was that he had the con at, yeah, sold. So he doesn't know if the incoming management company or owners oh, are okay. going to be as understanding as to what a convention is. And let alone an old school gaming convention like 
like oh, you don't mean they have a peculiar way of doing things. Yes, <laughs> you can't get there from here. They can't get there yeah. from here. So it's going to be interesting, and uh, I, I would love to see you know ShireCon and AppleCon kind of morph into a big regional con in that time frame, but uh, who knows? We we had we had supported ShoreCon before. I hadn't heard of Total Confusion before until I was with Eldridge, and they always got invited. And and wow. yeah and and it's we'd love to have you out, Chris, but you're not the big draw. These guys, are. I understand, it's no big deal. Uh -huh. You're not hurt. You're not hurt. No, I'm fine. Well, <laughs> can you send some product for them? No, they're irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> God love them, but yeah, that's that was hilarious. I remember Doug was like, "What? What the hell?" These guys, like, I don't know. It's like they didn't bring any of their product to sell at North Texas. Like, I don't know. Then luckily Doug had bought some copies and stuff, or you had sent it to him, Chris. I can't remember one or the other. Oh, so we, okay. we actually there, had some there stuff were several for sale. people who were involved with the company, and I made sure that every year they got a stack of everything that came out from the company. Every every version, at least yeah. one of every version of every thing that we did. Yeah, Doug's got a stack back here. What's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Doug, yeah, Doug has a stack back there. He was Doug was actually one of the investors for Eldridge, yes. uh, if I remember correctly. So yeah, well, and the others will remain nameless because yeah. I didn't know whether they wanted to be known for that or not. Yeah, but well, yeah, uh, everybody, anybody who had money involved got a stack because that's the least you should be able to expect. Sure. For oh, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, and then there were there was some good product there too. Uh, I I guess it just wasn't enough product. I mean, we don't have to get into the whole. Well, I, I know it, I wrote a lot of it, so I, yeah, it was yeah. Great. There was there, there was some really good product uh, there. Um, um, I I think one of the, I think, and Eric, I've talked about this. I, th I think one of the things that that kind of held Eldritch back was the not adapting a rule system and doing the percentage thing because I, I I remember people looking at that and getting like, oh, I, I don't. What system is this? Well, it's not really a. It's its own system. It's not D and D or One E or Ostrich or Swords of Wizardry. It's pretty and close I, to first edition, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people dipped out when they saw it, which is oh, well, this is something I don't. It's a percentage system. Believe it, believe it or not, it's the old inner city role playing system. Yeah, do you remember when you first heard about defensive class was third edition, right? Mm -hmm. No, nope. inner city has defensive <laughs> class from 1978. Now, I didn't think it was a big deal. My friends were not good at math. They couldn't say armor class four. Okay, so that's 20 minus four, I need a 16. Okay, so I just said, no, it's defensive class 16. Don't worry about it. And it just seemed like, you know, let's cut one set of math out and right. be able to deal with it, but yeah. You know, Oh, and, and honestly, I've never been I've never been hauled on the carpet by Hasbro for using their defensive class, so I'm pretty sure they understand too. A true confession, I never even realized that you could figure out the AC in your head for like three years. And I was like, three years, I think I must have turned like like 16 and went, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> it all clicked. You just Ding. it all clicked. Oh, AC zero is twenty. Then it means AC one is nineteen. Oh, it's okay, Eric. We still love you. Oh well, you know. <laughs> just just be okay. careful, okay? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> listen. I can't help it. My listen. Math. I was actually good at math, but sometimes the obvious kind of just escapes you. And I was too interested in learning every magic item and artifact in the DMG. You were too busy you know, looking for munchkin holes. Admit it. 
<laughs> no, no. Oh, I, I, was item, I always win. You know, like that. I, I was, I was almost always the DM because my players oh, did not okay. trust anybody else but me to DM. Thank you. Uh, any other game system, Rivs, my friend Dave. You know, but that was fine. But no, we're gonna play D and D. Eric, you're the DM. I want to be a player one time. No, you can't. <laughs> what do you mean, buddy? Can't? No, no, no. We only you. You have D and D. That is you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, okay. What's up, man? You don't. You can oh. come on camera for just a second. Okay. okay. I didn't want to interfere, but. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Now, I want. I want. <laughs> if you write your own system, Mike. Gorgeous looking women will come up and just kiss on you and stuff all the time. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> like gonna, I guess my two ideas are going to start coming out really quick. Then I, I need to get going. <laughs> oh well, we. Uh, Michael Gross has talked about here the dangerous um, journeys. So yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that uh, TSR did not win that lawsuit. No. Uh, that was mer- merely just to destroy Gary and destroy um, yes. dangerous journeys. They they actually lost the lawsuit, but it didn't matter. It. Uh, the cost took down GDW. It took down date everything. Um, right. Fr- Frank had alluded years past that uh, I think TSR cut them a check at the end. He and Gary, but it didn't matter. The company was it was gone. It was it was it was, it was doomed. Yeah. I I had the original. Uh, I had dangerous dimensions oh. for my original book that I got. I forget the poor mm-hmm. book, whatever. But then when I when I went to buy something else for it, and it's like, oh, it's dangerous journeys now. And again, we didn't know why. It wasn't like now we look up. It's on the internet. It's on your gaming forums. Yeah. It's on your blogs. It's on YouTube. We we didn't know why. Yeah, well, no. they, and they couldn't get it out. They they were so wrapped up with the court case, they couldn't even get product out to stores. I know it's too. It, it, it it's not. It's nothing like D and D either. You read it. It's nothing it's not. like D and D. It's not at all. But. The problem is, and this is actually better better now, is that the courts weren't sophisticated enough to realize the differences between role playing games, and you know it's kind of the you know you know well the, the, what was the Battlestar Galactica lawsuit that was actually a lousy lawsuit too because they said well it's a rip off of Star Wars but that's every science fiction movie ever made. Oh look, it's, it's got a spaceship right. in it. It's yeah, there's a spaceship in it. Oh my gosh, it must it must be Star Wars, and that was a bullshit lawsuit too because it yeah. it wasn't. It was nothing like Star Wars. Absolutely nothing except it had spaceships. You know. So, so yeah, that's the, the unfortunately the dangerous journey thing. Just was just the thing, you know. Basically, just money whipped the um, company to going under, which is really unfortunate. But uh, yeah, Frank uh, Gary didn't even like talking about dangerous journeys. Yeah, that was that was a topic you did not mention in his presence because he would get very sad and very tired very quickly. It would make you make me very angry if somebody just killed my company just to kill my company. That, that, that would actually, yes, make me very angry. But we'd be on his well, porch and we'd be talking to be like, you know, I wanted to ask you something about DJ, um, Gare. Uh, wait a minute, two o'clock, what? Look at that, blue bikini, brunette. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking, We're not talking DJ. We're not talking. Yeah, come on, be subtle, dude. Don't 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 be a hog. Come on. <laughs> that, that was yeah, that was our average business meeting on Gary's porch, you know. Well, and LA was very different too. LA was much more investigative than it was combat oriented, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Um, I used to tell people, you know, uh, legendary adventure was about what you could do rather than what you could kill. Right. Um, but it was and so it was hard to find people to write adventures for it because you had to get out of Go kill the monster and take its stuff mindset, even if the monster really needed killing. You know. <laughs> I had some friends who were very big, huge fans of uh, 
of uh, Legendary Adventures, and they were, they were really sorry to see it go because I, I I had actually never I actually never played it, so I, I I don't know how the game ran, but yeah, I had some friends who were huge huge fans of that. Wait 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 wait. There we go. Oh. This this was the handy book. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I have three shelves up here of all the different crap I've been involved in over the years. Oh. And thankfully, I have good stud walls, so they aren't going to come down. Won't be a water. Chris gets killed live on YouTube. Yes, yeah, which is why we like the snow out here. I need to trouble more. I do. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. I, I I just like to I like just enough snow so I can throw salt down and then watch it go away. Or I want it to be so cold and the snow is so dry it blows away. But well, it's maybe, ski on that snow. No, it, when it's too powdery, you can't ski on it. So I but I don't I don't ski because I have I, I don't oh, ski and I don't car. skate. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah! I don't want to ask. He put skis it's, on his bear. I want to be able to listen to my music while I'm skiing. I mean, you know, yeah. No, 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 sir, no, sir. Get I want to live on a beach and never see a snowflake ever again in my life. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna, yeah, no, no cold. I, I'm, I, you know, the older you get, the just the cold just kills me now. I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I the cold just gets me. I, I don't know. I, I crack a lot. That. Yeah. Yeah, it, it used to not suck the energy out of me like it does, but now it gets cold. And the only thing I can think about is warm, warm, warm. Uh, so yes, the yes, I I told it. So someday we're going to have. So uh, my wife and I are retiring to South Padre Island in a few years when we get you know things taken care of. I have a lot of relatives down there, and there is a convention center on South Padre Island that's rarely used because most of the conventions happen during the summer months. So we are. I promise you, when I move down to South Padre Island, we are going to have South Padre Island Con. And, and you, oh, everybody here is invited. Just We're call it No Snow Con. <laughs> no Snow Con. No Snow, no snow Con. They do, have a, they do have an anime. They have an anime con there every year. And I want to say they have a game, like a toy con there. And that's probably, and then they have uh, one year we were there, they were having a movie con. Well, not a movie con. It was a uh, movie thing. And they had like the director of Twilight. They had, they had some luminaries there. Uh, but I don't think they've ever had a real life D and D convention there. So that's that's my goal when when I retire is I'm going to go down there. We're going to have we're going to have Beach Con or whatever we'll call it something fun, South Padre Con or Beach Con or you know like you say no Snow Con. That'll probably be probably the perfect name. Yeah. And and David, I understand. Uh, believe me, we have things on standby out here that are called plows. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as much as yes, we get a lot of snow. We're we're kind of set up for it. It's okay. Yeah, we, the, yeah, snow, the snow drifts on either side of my driveway, Mike, are now so high from shoveling. I can't throw the, the snow. Oh my the top gosh! I, this, we have to get it to the end of the driveway and pitch it in the ditch. How long does it take to melt? Like a month? I mean, I don't get oh, that. Months. That's crazy. It forms an ice. It forms a glacier in my driveway oh. and like takes the grass off the side of my hill. No. Mm, not doing that. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. See, I, I like New York City. We get snow, and then usually within like two days, you got that dirty New York City dog piss snow. And then <laughs> and, and, and and then most of the time you warm up enough that it's pretty much gone within a you know, mostly gone within like a week. 
we still have remnants of the 20 inches that we got, but that's only because we got more snow and then kind of went away and then more snow and it kind of went. Today we're getting, I think, two, by tomorrow morning we'll have like another six, seven inches. Oh. But then the weekend's going to be in the 40s. So, yeah. It's mm-hmm. going to be 70, de- 70 degrees here in a week, believe it or not. Oh. It's crazy. This is this was such oh. a crazy week for Texas. It, it just my, – my relative, South Padre Island, it was 29 degrees down there. My, my aunt lost all her lemon trees, her lime tree, and her mm. – her, um, Avocado tree because it just it never ever gets that cold down there. It's crazy weather here for Texas. So I I am not man. I appreciate what y'all have to go through up there, but I I nope that that's a big nope nope nope. Uh, <laughs> ever, ever moving up there? Not, gonna up there. Do it. No, uh, not gonna. Mm-mm. I'll go up north of the. You know, I've always said I wanted to visit Wisconsin during the summer because we've I've only been there, there in March. February, right. March, or October, November for the two cons. I, well, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful it's, there. I it's, a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit cooler than Texas and an unbelievable degree greater humidity. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful though because you have oh, all, sure. the, all the water there and all the you know, lakes and stuff. It's got to be really gorgeous. In the you, summer, you're so. welcome to visit anytime, Mike. I have a three wheel golf cart that does about 28 miles an hour and it's really dangerous because <laughs> it's only got three wheels. Ooh. Yeah, well, you can roll it really. Easy, I've told my wife we're we're gonna make that trip because it's it's and it's a really beautiful trip too. The uh, driving it, so I I promised my wife in the future we will go to uh, Wisconsin this summer. I, I'd love to see it this summer. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll visit y'all when we get up there. We'll, Crossing the state we'll, we'll visit everybody. Like, I hope they have indoor plumbing. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I, I so when I come when I come there, I don't crawl. I hate Illinois, so I don't go. I don't go to Illinois. I go Iowa, the just straight ride. I don't. <laughs> I do, I try to stay out of Illinois if I can. So uh, I so, don't yeah, know. Ninety four is a, it's a great racetrack, you know. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. If you yeah, if you want to die in a car wreck, it's people drive like maniacs. But my, my best time from O'Hare to my front door, which is right near the state line, in those days. 18 minutes. Oh my God. How did you do that? 18 minutes. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. 18 that's minutes. Crazy. I think the average speed we figured was about 107. Yeah. I about yeah. six. That's, geez. I don't know how you do that in 18 minutes. That's oh, crazy. not anymore. You don't. Okay. Yeah. This was back when I lived in Illinois. So. Okay. There you go. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> well, we're beyond the statute of limitations. So it's not exactly yeah, okay. ran for reckless driving. Like when I'm I did 110 sure on the one on the way. So yeah, that car has become a small cube of steel and gotten remelted into something really. Oh, all right. So, so there's no evidence left either. Yeah. So uh, there you go. You covered it, you covered all the tracks. And then suddenly on YouTube, oh no, here's the video. <laughs> here's the video. We dug through our archives and somebody had an old Betamax camcorder. Look at this. Oh, boy. Our facial recognition software says that person giving the finger to the police is you. (laughs) How can you tell? I was so much younger. It's funny. Do you ever hear the stories, though, about the Bears um, racing to the bubble? They had that couple years they couldn't train at Soldier Field because they were uh, renovating. And so they had this bubble outside in, oh, gosh, I want to say right off Willow Road. So, like, Libertyville area. They had this big inflated bubble that they practiced in these guys would race between chicago and the willow road exit which is about 40 miles north to to the where the bubble was 
and I actually wound up racing with them home from work once or twice. <laughs> and um, they were a fun group. Yeah, I glanced over oh, at man. who's in the Ferrari next to me, and son of a gun, you know, it's sweetness in his oh, Ferrari. Yes. And it's like, oh my god, I, I got to nail the gas now, you know. <laughs> Come on, Peyton, let's see what you got, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, honest, and it was it was Peyton in a Ferrari. Oh man! Race, racing, racing to the bubble, and and you had to remind yourself to slow down after Willow Road because if you were on your own, the cops would pull you over. <laughs> but oh, anyway, the good old days. Well, that is one of the great things about Texas. If you want to, if you want to run, let's shall we say, uh, break the speed limit. There's a lot of roads on Texas where there's there's nothing. I mean, especially West Texas, and there there's a lot of gearheads that take their they might be known to take their cars out there and drive really really fast because <laughs> oh, it's flat too a lot of it's flat once you get right. past the hill country it's flat and so yes um some of the sheriffs that come to our con every year from west texas um they often pull over gentlemen going 120 to 140 miles oh, an I, hour because they're just course, you know no, i of course am totally within the speed limit now because i'm older mike older and, and wiser yeah or something well your reaction time goes down right i mean that's the big thing is you don't want you know i'm pretty sure if i can use a racer i'm pretty sure i can still pull a 0.5 bulb uh on the tree coming down so yeah yeah Although it's funny, I, I, I did I show you? Have you guys seen them on any of the Facebook postings? I had a picture of my mantelpiece up for Christmas. It's got a bunch of trophies on it. That's under my personal Facebook page. Anyway, oh, I don't have a bunch that. of trophies on it. Those aren't my drag racing trophies. They're my wife's. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, great. Did you get done building my race car yet? I need to go race. <laughs> yes, dear. Please don't hit me again. I, I was I never got that much into drag racing because it's over it's it's so much build up it's like it's like eating uh you know eating crayfish it's so much build up for so little payoff because it's all over so quick you're just like, well and the like, quicker Wah. it's over the better you did yeah, yeah. that's true so but, it's, you know, or, or there's, like there's uh, a lot of little tricks to learn though no uh, I mean you can yeah. tell yeah I know that I'm, I I wouldn't want to do it I've seen some blowouts too and yikes that is not something you want to happen when you're when you're going but, that fast you, you, that short. Run track he won all of her racing trophies driving a 1967 chrysler new yorker land yacht with one wheel drive <laughs> <laughs> and she would she would slam the doors on a quarter mile at 104 miles an hour oh my gosh in this in a three-ton land yacht and we did it because we would get a new set of tires under warranty every year did you, did, no did, i don't did, know these tires are all torn up man <laughs> you know, under warranty you know? That was that was never used in the commercial for those cars, right? <laughs> Say, no, no, no. Great on the drag race track. Well, yeah, this really the, the, the New Yorker, it is. It's this big, huge, ugly square box land yacht thing that weighs about sixty eight hundred pounds. But engines back then they weren't built for gas mileage. They were, you know, right. yeah, built yeah, to basically right. make everyone think the world was coming to an end when you hit the gas. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. How late do you go on these things, Eric? I'm needing my coffee. We're well. Right, we're, 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 we're about through. We'll, we'll pimp your. Uh, we're going to pimp your Kickstarter before we leave here. Oh, I love um, you for that. Inner, inner city redo. Uh, Eric and I backed it. Yeah. Uh, just, just put if you want to look. Just put inner city Kickstarter on on Google, and boom, it will pop up. And uh, it's very close to funding. It should fund pretty quick here. It's got another three weeks. Uh, but definitely, uh, it's it's a seventies. Uh, uh, 
cops and robbers type game. If you love shows like Mannix and Starsky and Hutch and things like that, this is, it seems like it's going to be a really fun, fun game. It's actually Christopher's first game and it's, it's been, so it's been worked on for the last 40 years until it's just perfect now. We right? might have taken some time off from here to there. But yeah. <laughs> just, a wee, just a wee bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Mike, back to 28, back to 24. 24 gives you the PDF in, the, in addition to the uh, Dead Tree version. And I am very partial to having both. So I can I can I can read at my desk and I can read in my bed. And I can read if you become a fan that and you're just gonna play the game, why do I need the full book? With the PDF, when you steal a three-ton land yacht, right? <laughs> you'll know when the encounter walks out into the street by looking him up in the book how much experience he's worth and whether or not it's worth getting a crime to run him down. <laughs> Because sometimes nice. it's not. Oh my! Sometimes oh, it's my. not worth it to get to do the crime, but just to get the experience. I think my grandkids oh, would love this game. That it, sounds it's rare. <laughs> Usually, it's worth it. And if then you, you can't do the crime. Don't do the crime. As Brent don't would do say, it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and also you're running two games uh, Saturday, correct, Chris? At a yes. at a um, Total Con actually, online. Actually, I think I have I have a Friday and a Saturday of Inner Friday. City. If I remember correctly, and That's then right. I have uh, my another one of my micro games. Um, Stripey Hole is running in in the opposite right. slots, so I actually have two different games running in the other slots on Friday and Saturday. Yep. Uh, and then in a week, we're also running one at the Furiously Eclectic Forums, and then of course in March, we're running a Make Ericon. There we go. And there then go. so they could you could still sign up for Total Con online. Uh, just go to Tabletop Events and. Uh, and you, you haven't missed too much because it just started today. So you still have Friday and well, Saturday and Sunday. Come to 50 Crimes Club with us. Yes. Come yes. to 50 Crimes. Every cop in the street knows you're a criminal and will arrest you. <laughs> so, yeah. but, the, but they'll shoot at you, but they probably won't hit you with a gun is the problem. Um, right. you know, it's funny. They want to take you in, but when they take you in front of the judge, you'll be like, where's the $5,000 I had and like my clothing and my car and my gear? And, and the cop will look dead into the eyes of the judge and say, honestly, judge, he was naked when I found him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think Eric did that a few times, but uh, wait, no. Have I did I deal with naked people? Yes, and uh, they were naked when I found them, but they were never arrested. They uh, were really okay. <laughs> it's like, hey, we got a naked crackhead running down the street. Oh, she called emergency service. They tased her, and she jumps jumped over a patrol car <laughs> like a gazelle. And she's still running down the street. And there's probably a Please. game mechanic for that in Inner City Redo. I bet you. Oh, I'd love to yeah. see that because that. <laughs> Folks, you can add it in yourself. I will say this in the late 90s, if you were on the right crack, you could, like a gazelle, vault a patrol car naked and outrun a half dozen cops. It's actually outrunning it. Oh, the other, you can put five people. And 17 bags of groceries in a Corvette in this game. So it's, it's Hollywood, baby. It's Hollywood. Oh, man. I can't wait to but, get this. This is going to be great. They're, it's the paper bags and the ones that will rip when you pick them up. Oh, Even boy. on the TV shows, they would show you that. Every, and, they're every time. With, and they're filled with grenades, of course. So that when they do rip, it adds <laughs> just a little more excitement to the game. Yeah. Grenades and milk. And milk. Everybody. Yeah, the you occasional go. pumpkin. Maybe a watermelon. Yeah. Maybe only if we want to really make a break quickly. Well, Chris, and, we we loved having you on tonight. I'm sorry, Eric, I didn't mean you're up. No, 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 no. I, we, I was just ripping off. I was ripping off Chris. Okay, 
Well, we're, we're, we like you to riff. Can, you can riff me all the time. Yeah. Just keep riffing, man. Riff, riff. No, no, no. It, it's fine. I just want to Mike. I want Chris to get his coffee. He looks like he's getting a little antsy there. No, to- I don't. I don't <laughs> want Chris passing out, and I don't want Mike disappearing because he, cause, you know, he to a bio break I'm, I'm or something. Too. I'm, I'm out. I'm out too. So I, I got Holy issues. Cow. Oh, I'm out of everything. Well, you notice he didn't offer us a beer the whole time. He just had his little art There we go. Well, oh. yeah. Well, Whoa. I didn't offer because it was it was hop water. I, it might fly. Oh, it's hop water. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's. Hop water is the non-alcoholic way to get. Oh, nothing. oh boy! Yeah, wow. yeah. So it made the Miller Light uh, seem like it was a real beer in comparison. <laughs> what, can I, what can what can I tell you? Uh, and I didn't and I didn't put a, a splash of lime in my Miller Light to make it seem like a highfalutin beer. I should See, do that next most time. Most of those are, are usually compared to making love in a canoe. And I'm not going to explain that other than saying it's something <laughs> close to water. Oh yeah. boy! Uh, yeah. All right. I'll 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 accept that. Mm. You got to make do with what you have. Morning, because yeah, I have dogs, and there will be a bag in there for you. Okay, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <sighs> Oh well, Chris, I know even he gets one. <laughs> no, no, no. Chris, Chris is bad man. You bad man. But we like you anyhow. Silver tongue devil. Bad. You're a bad man. Funny man. Bad man. Folks, as Mike said, thanks to Chris for joining us. Uh, thanks, for thanks to TotalCon for allowing us to do this in the support of TotalCon. We, we really Total appreciate Con. it. And we'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow night. And tomorrow night's going to be a gangbang of, of sorts. Uh, oh, hold, oh, on, oh, hold on. Hold uh, on. Wait. See, now, see, now you're going to say that it's like it's like, it's like a rooster festival. Yeah, there there's going to be it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hot dog uh, eating. Con. Yeah, oh, it's not eating. There you uh, go. It's yeah. just it's just a hot dog. Uh, yeah. No, uh, Mike. Mike's unofficial uh, role tomorrow is Mike gets the uh, banhammer or the shut up, Glenn. Nice. So you, nice. you you will have you will have the authority. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we're gonna have, it's gonna be me, Eric, uh, Joe the lawyer, and uh, Glenn, and, and and the object is to keep Glenn from talking the entire time. No, I'm just kidding, Glenn. I love you. Um, and, and but no, it's really true though. <laughs> but uh, listen, we're gonna we'll also put out a call if anybody you know wants to drop in. Uh, I'm gonna be like just just yep. uh, ping me on Facebook. I'll send you a link. Drop we- on in. So we, we might even pull in people like uh, we, we may have Mike Jim Walter dropping because he couldn't make it tonight. He was in Skeeter Stupid Small Publishing Bullshit Seminar, um, but he said he might. So we might get Jim to drop in tomorrow. I know Saturday we have Zach Glazer, which is you know we we save that for the last, not because it's the best, because we just want to get you know. So hopefully you'll all be doing something Saturday and you won't be listening because really we don't care about. Well, Zach. We, well, actually we but no actually we don't care if you don't like Zach, but you should like us. Yes. So just come, come for us. That sounds bad. This whole conversation. <laughs> In any case, talk to, talk join to us. Oh, no. Yeah. Where's, Where's my whiskey? Right. Oh, geez. Folks, as I tell you pretty much every time I do one of these, nobody in this room is, uh, is a medical professional. We're just going to say, I'm going to say, use your common sense in the world of COVID. Uh, you wouldn't throw a fireball into a 10 by 10 room. Or so I've been told numerous times, after you've thrown it, if I knew there was blowback, I wouldn't throw it into a 10 by 10 room. Uh, use your common sense. All right? That's all I'm saying. Be safe. Be well. God bless. Roll those dice. And uh, Mike and I will be back tomorrow for more back hygiene. All right. Yes. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, have, we'll bring Chris back again because 
There's, you can never have a, a, enough curse. Tell my wife that. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> ah, and with that, go with God, because that's a lesson. <laughs> later, 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 everybody.